This week on the Country Music Media Podcast. Exactly. I mean, when he uh, started, um, you know, his star was rising quickly. Uh, late 2019, I talked to him about, you know, just not letting all of this go to his head. And his quote to me was, my 91-year-old grandma would get out of her chair and whip me if I ever started acting like some star. Maybe we're being too hard on Morgan Warren. Maybe we're not being hard enough. And what can safely be described as an exciting year for the Whiskey Glasses singer, he's made news headlines for all the right and all the wrong reasons. Hit songs? Yep. Public intoxication? Yeah, that too. Harold did live shows and crossover success? For sure. Partying at the risk of losing a high-profile TV gig? Yeah, that happened too. A surprise collaboration? Dang right. A surprise baby? Yes. Baby Indy, born in July. Has his album If I Know Me lives in the top three of country sales charts week after week, and his songs float around the same place on airplay, streaming, and sales charts, Wallen is officially pushing pause, saying, quote, It may be a second before you hear from me for a while, but I'm going to go work on me, and I appreciate you all respecting that. Fans responded with varying degrees of empathy and patience. Some say his actions were foolish, while others are mad at Lauren Michaels and Saturday Night Live for having the nerve to replace him. Most understand that he's fairly young, coming into money for the first time, and learning how to cope with having fans. Wallen, for his part, took the high road and took responsibility during a two-and-a-half-minute video released to social media. I'd like to apologize to SNL, to my fans, to my team for bringing me these opportunities, and I let them down, he said. So what's next? Will the pride of Sneedville, Tennessee continue to run across the law? Or will he take ownership of his actions in some greater way? It's a stretch to say he's fashioned himself as the outlaw or the bad boy in country music thus far. If anything, he speaks like he'd like to get away from that. But with a dedicated mullet, cut off sleeves on his flannels, and a rural raising, he gives the public impression that he's not one to try to run over. But who is he really? And how will his raising shape what happens as he prepares to release his next album, a rumored double album? I think my guest today may know. Trisha Dupre is a pro in country journalism circles, who currently writes for People, Taste of Country, and American Songwriter, but has written for Country Weekly, Rare, and many more previously. She's respected for her good-natured style of interviewing, but as a mother, you know she can smell stink a mile away. I invited Trisha on the podcast after reading a simple tweet that she sent that I really think hit the nail on the head, but let's let her speak for herself during episode number five of the Country Music Media Podcast. Welcome to the Country Music Media Podcast. My name is Billy Dukes, and I appreciate you. If you found us for the first time, welcome. If you're back for another episode, thank you very much for your loyalty. If you have some time during this episode and you could subscribe, rate, and review this episode, it's certainly appreciated. And then join the conversation over on Twitter, at Billy Dukes. A really tremendous response to chart expert Chris Owen last week as we broke down Luke Combs' historic start to his career. And then a great conversation kind of in between episodes about who is making the most with what 2020 has given him or her. That was a lot of fun. Dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of responses with artists I had not even considered. week before that, we talked to Emily Yar from the Washington Post, and she and I tried to figure out if the time was right for Taylor Swift and her song Betty to return to country radio. But this week it's about Morgan Wallen, and I really want to make clear with this episode that I didn't have a rigid opinion of Morgan Wallen's behavior before talking to Trisha. Um, it's possible he has a serious problem, 
I don't want to diminish that. Although he hasn't said as much, he just said he's taking some time away without really describing what that means. I got a lot of respect for people who admit that kind of thing and then get treatment as needed. I've spent a lot of time with Morgan. He's always really come across as pretty humble, a little bit mischievous, but certainly not a troublemaker. More than anything, it occurs to me that in my own 20s, things could have looked a lot like they do for Morgan right now had a few things not gone my way. And really, isn't that all of us? Here's the tweet from Trisha Dupre that I referred to in the intro segment. She wrote this on October 7th, right around the time Morgan got the boot from Saturday Night Live. She writes, Hey, Morgan Wallen, you know I've loved you since the beginning. I've believed in you and your talent. I've appreciated your kindness and your thoughtfulness, and I still do. Go sit on your mom and dad's porch and take the time you need to get back to who you are at your core. Trisha also brings up another artist who I think is really comparable to what Morgan is going through. And then at the very end, we talk about Country Weekly, which is a publication that I'm just simply fascinated by. Uh, it's a magazine that existed for 25 years or so, I think, throughout the 90s, 2000s, really until about 2014 or 2015. And I, I just had to ask her some stories. And she shares what it's like about kind of landing some of those big name artists you used to see on the Country Weekly cover and where one of her covers ended up at a store that'll just sort of blow your mind after my interview with trisha stick around for a postscript that i think might help you see right to the core of another very serious issue in country music and of course we'll look at this week's numbers but here now is freelance writer for people american songwriter the chicago sun times taste of country and many many more it's trisha dupre Trisha Dupre joins me on the Country Music Media Podcast. And Trisha, when Morgan Wallen gave his statement and his apology after SNL kicked him off the show, what was your first response? Uh, to be honest, Billy, I was like, oh, no, Morgan. No, 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 no. <laughs> because honestly, uh, two days before it became newsworthy, what had happened in Alabama with Morgan, my daughter actually who is on TikTok was like, mom, you won't believe it. It's all over TikTok. Morgan Wallen did this and that. And you, you form a relationship with some of these artists and it's almost as if like you take, I mean, I take a motherly fig, you know, mm -hmm. role of it where I'm like, Oh, Morgan, don't, don't do this. <laughs> you don't want to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> and it had been a rough year for Morgan. So I just, that was my first response to it. I was particularly interested to talk to you, too, because you are a mother to two older daughters. I think one's in high school, one's in college, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so you're you're pretty capable of sort of seeing through the BS as well. If someone tries to give you an apology or sort of talk their way out of something, uh, you could kind of cut right through that. Did you smell any of that with Morgan or did you did you believe him right off the bat? Kind of how did you digest what he was saying? You know what? I... Um... When I watched the apology, I look into his eyes. I mean, I, I, from the moment I met Morgan, you could feel there was just a pureness to him. There was just a honesty in his eyes. And when I connect with that, um, you know, it's easy for me to, uh, to accept an apology and yeah. to forgive. Um, I do think he feels horrible about this. I think he felt um ashamed i think he felt embarrassed i think he knows he's better than this um and i honestly do feel that you know it's it's a case of a guy i mean i had to check his age because i couldn't remember how old he was he's 27 years old mm -hmm. he became a father this year and he's just having trouble uh growing up in the spotlight i think 
you know, here, here's the thing. And I kind of watched his apology and it was long and certainly felt heartfelt. And, and part of it was read, but he said at the get go that he was going to be reading part of it because he, he took some time to write some notes. So even if you didn't necessarily connect with what he was saying and, and, and you know, like the, if you didn't, if someone didn't appreciate the tone of his voice or maybe his eyes darting around, he clearly was taking it very seriously, which is impressive because he's young for coming into fame. But also what he did, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't, he didn't say anything racist or stupid. He, he just kind of partied with the wrong crowd and, uh, you know, on his face, that's not that big of a crime, but he certainly understands how it affected him and his team. Yes. And I was impressed by what he was saying about his team. I mean, and I don't yeah. think artists realize, um, you know, how many people they're letting down um, when they get caught with something like this or caught in this sort of situation. And I was, um, I was happy that he recognized that, that it wasn't just himself he was hurting or um, SNL but really the people that have believed in him from the very beginning. And I mean, to get a spot on SNL for him, um, you know, it, it, there's so much work behind that. And I think he really truly felt uh, sorry uh, for putting that in jeopardy. Trisha Dupre joining me on the Country Music Media Podcast. She's a freelance writer for American Songwriter, People, Chicago Sometimes, and, and many more. And you've talked to him several times over the last couple of years. Um, do you kind of draw a line between becoming an artist's friend and making sure you're kind of keeping some objectivity? Is it easy for you to kind of do that? Um, I've gotten better at it as I've gone on in my writing career. I think at first, um, you know, when you have a connection with somebody and um, I do have to say, you know, working in Chicago, um, most of my interviews pre-pandemic um, are sitting in a dressing room one-on-one -on -one, Right. Uh, 15, 20 minutes, you know, it's really like you do form a connection. Um, I know at the beginning of my career, you know, I didn't want to write a bad review. I didn't want to sure. say that I hated a song. I mean, I was just so nervous about all that, but I feel like, um, you know, I go back to journalism school, what I was taught. And, um, you know, if I'm not telling the truth, I'm not doing my job justice. But yeah, it's, it, it hits different when you make a connection with somebody, you've interviewed them a ton of times, you kind of know who they are when they're away from the spotlight. Um, uh, it does, it kind of hurts when, you know, things go awry. And um, uh, you do, you, you feel it a little bit more. It's hard to write articles like this about people you know and, and kind of like on that sort of off the mic basis. And exactly. you have to do it though. Um, I, what was your first impression of Morgan and, and what is he like sort of off camera, if you will, or when the sure. tape isn't rolling? I actually, I looked this up. I first interviewed him in uh, 2018 in November. That was kind of after the whole up down with Florida Georgia line yeah. song had hit the charts. And, um, you know, I didn't know him from the voice. Um, I hadn't, I must've missed that season, but <laughs> he wasn't on for very long. No, he wasn't on very, very long. No. Um, so, you know, he, uh, I, uh, to be honest, I didn't know what I was going to walk into because I was up down. Wasn't my cup of tea in terms of song styles. And I just was, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't know what I was going to walk into. And, um, right off the bat, he was shy. He was a little mm -hmm. bit quiet. He was a little bit reluctant um, to, you know, go with me 
on this interview a little bit. Um, but then I started talking about his family. Then I started talking about his faith. Then I started talking about, you know, the things that mattered to him. And instantly, you know, his eyes started brightening up. Um, he started looking at me in the eye. Um, it just, the whole feel of the interview changed. And from that moment on, it was like the walls were down. We, we knew each other. We, um, you know, understood each other. I mean, geez Louise, there's a 20 year age difference. Sometimes it can be a little bit weird yeah. on a one-on-one -on -one situation. But um, when he talked about his family, when he talked about his faith, I mean, it was very, um, it was kind of instant where I knew this guy is a good guy. He's, he's talented, but in his heart, he's a good guy. Um, and I root for the good guys, so. I had the same experience, especially with regards to his faith. The things you need to know about Morgan, people need to know about Morgan is he grew up uh, singing in the church. Him and his sisters did three-part harmonies. His, his, his father was a, a pastor. And I thought the best line from one of the interviews I did with him was where he, just, he sort of described his father as this Leonard Skinner loving preacher. Yes. Which is like you sort of tilt your head and then you fast forward to this month and think, oh, okay. This is how this all sort of puzzle pieces together and why we can take his apology on its merit and also see how he kind of got himself in this trouble in the first place. Exactly. I mean, when he uh, started, um, you know, his star was rising quickly um, in like 2019, uh, late 2019, I talked about, uh, to him about, you know, just not letting all of this go to his head. And his quote to me was my 91 year old grandma would get out of her chair and whip me if I ever started acting like some star. <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny is I, I was looking through articles you had written on Morgan and I highlighted that exact same quote <laughs> to read back to you because I think that is kind of really prescient to, to, to getting to understanding who he is. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, so many of these male artists, you know, I think of a Brantley Gilbert, um, you know, you walk in and you think, oh, I know who this guy is. I know, uh, you know, his background. I know uh, what he's going to be like in an interview. And then you find out so much about them. And so many of them have roots in the church. Um, and you, you start realizing behind all of the tattoos and the this and the that and the bullets and everything. I mean, this is just a guy that wants to make his, you know, mom and dad and grandma proud. I mean, um, and you know, that's why country music is so cool as far as I'm concerned. Well, let's be honest, a little scandal is often pretty good for an artist's career. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, five years from now, if we're able to look back and laugh on this, um, that's going to be a pretty good thing in his career, much like the horse incident is for Keith and, or for Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw. Exactly. Then. Exactly. And I do think he'll learn from this. I mean, I don't think he's going to brush this under the rug. I think this is going to um, change yeah. him and uh, it's going to change his music it's a little. I mean, it's not going to completely uh, be a 180, but I do think we're going to get a few songs out of this. Um, that feeling he had, that embarrassment, that kind of little bit of shame. Um, I also believe that, you know, with his son, um, I, I, I believe that um, that's going to change him too. And he just needs to take some time to let this all sink in and figure himself out a little bit. If you had one question that you could ask Morgan, any question, what would it be? Why? Why, Morgan? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> in this day and age, 
in this pandemic, why? Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, there's just too many cameras, too many people, too many. I mean, I watched that footage and I was just like, oh, he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have a chance. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be my question. Um, but you know what? I mean, we all make mistakes. I mean, you know, even the best fall. Oh, geez. <laughs> every once in a while. And you get back up and you move on. And I truly believe that that's what Morgan's going to do. I think this is one of the reasons why I can't be too hard on him because it's, you know, had things gone a different way on a number of occasions for, for me or really anybody in life, you know, I, I've been rowdy and maybe kicked out of a bar. There just wasn't a cop there, you know, exactly. Um, I've exactly. partied with the wrong people. Um, you know, if people had a few dated a few people growing up, they probably have come close to maybe having a, a, a baby that they didn't expect. So <laughs> it's yeah. really relatable. Yeah. And that's why I, I that's why I tweeted when I tweeted just go back to your mom and dad's porch and sit there for a little while Morgan just be away for a second and just um you know yeah or, uh, heal from this and then come back stronger Trisha Dupre from um you know from articles and people American songwriter she's a freelance writer and she's on Twitter at chai writer c h i writer and then you can find her on Facebook as well at Trisha Dupre writer and, and Dupre is D-E-S-P-R-E-S. -E um, in a former life, you wrote for Country Weekly. Can I ask you a Country Weekly question? Because I am all sorts of fascinated with Country Weekly. Uh-oh. Well, yeah, now you could try. In, in a good way, because it was like this little long-running magazine that was really, really influential and then kind of just vanished. Um, how much fun was it to write for them? And it just seemed like you guys could get any cover or any artist or any interview you wanted to get at the time yeah it was a it was a good stretch i have to say i was writing for the chicago sun times i was covering country music uh for them on a freelance basis i had no connections in nashville other than me cold calling publicists asking you know rascal flats is coming through chicago can we set up an interview i'm from the sun times um i got connected with ken tucker over at country weekly I sent him five clips. He said, when can you write a story? I said today. And that was how my Country Weekly um, start uh, began. And literally, it was a close-knit group. It was an easy group to work with. Um, and like you said, I mean, at that time, really nobody could say no to Country Weekly. It was, no. it was right there as you, you know, <laughs> checked out at the grocery store. I mean... Um, everybody wanted to be on the cover. Um, and you know, I worked with Ken Tucker and Lisa Kanicki and just such good people. I mean, not even just professionally, but personally, they were, they're just such good people, um, that I actually love my time there. You know, it, it makes me feel old because it's like, oh, those were the good old days. <laughs> well, you know, people, artists and publicists, even to this day, love the physical, and it yep. baffled me because I think there was about five years of overlap between Country Weekly and Taste of Country. Um, and I saw, I, th I think maybe when Country Weekly went under, I saw what their publication numbers were finally. And I couldn't believe what it was uh, I, monthly. I think it was in the tens of thousands yeah. compared to what Taste of Country was doing. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I, I, you know, I, I do this in a good, good hour. Right. <laughs> And, and I'm struggling here to get a B-list star and George Strait's begging to be on the cover of, of Country Weekly. Yeah. I, I've never been able to figure out why that is, why the physical is so valuable 
or was. Well, it's amazing even to this day. I mean, even for people, you know, publicists mm-hmm. are very specific, you know, am I pitching a story for people.com or am I pitching a story for people print? Um, and uh, that's that fascination is still there. Yeah. Um, the, I don't know, seeing your name in print, seeing your artist um, in a glossy yeah. magazine. I mean, no matter what, I don't know. It'll probably go away someday, but right now it's it's still hanging on. Thank God. Do you have any of your old covers laying around? I do. I I put them up on my wall when I sit here (laughs) working at ten o'clock at night, and people say you're so lucky. What you get to do? I'm like, yeah. Those that's a reminder to keep on working. Oh man. those covers are great. Whoever owns the rights to those needs to somehow repurpose them in, on social media because some of the images, especially the old ones in the 90s, they were just, they were so wonderful and sort of wholesome. Oh. And um, I think they would really just be iconic to look at today in a social media world. But I don't know who. Well, actually, has- I was in Nashville one day and walking up and down Broadway, and I went into a store, and my Tim McGraw cover was made into a purse. Is that right? <laughs> and I was like, and I didn't buy it. That's oh, what you really buy it. me. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was like, 80 bucks? No way. And it's ugly, you know, one of these things. But I, sh- I would have died for that purse now. Oh, you could have wrote that off on taxes? No? <laughs> Something. I should <laughs> But I was like, wow, that looks, that's interesting. I've never had a story that made it to a purse. <laughs> But we'll leave it there. Trisha Debray, freelance writer for Taste of Country, American songwriter. Um, a, a number of her articles are going to be listed in the show notes at countrymediapodcast.com. And I'll also include links directly to her Twitter page and, and Facebook page as well. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, a really fun conversation. Oh, no problem, Billy. Thank you. Imagine this scenario. There's a country music singer who's enjoying a breakout year before getting drunk at a bar and winding up in a cop car. That same singer would later party with the wrong people and lose a major career opportunity. Oh, and between all that, this singer would surprise everyone with a baby. Professionally, would fans and the industry turn against her? Morgan Wallen will survive. There's no shortage of country men who've notched hits post-mugshot. In fact, you could even argue that some low-level bad behavior and a little mischievousness is good for business. Women in country music aren't afforded the same grace. If Miranda Lambert had gotten caught drinking and driving, it would have stained her career in a way that she wouldn't have been able to bounce back from. A mugshot? An addiction? Rehab? A baby out of wedlock? Gasp! Clutch your pearls! When people say that women in country music are treated equally, or try to say that if women made better music, they'd have more success, remember how your stomach twisted when I revealed that this imaginary country singer was female. You know the truth. Because it's not just the truth about country music, it's the truth about our society at large. A single mistake can thin the crop of promising young female musicians significantly. A failed marriage can practically take a good woman down, it seems. In this day and age, we're bound to see a female version of Morgan Wallen. They're surely out there. Let's try to show her the same dignity and patience we're showing him. We simply cannot afford to lose any talented young female artists, just as real, sustainable systems are being put into place to create more fertile grounds.
By the numbers this week, it's where we look at the top songs and albums in country America. Another Christmas album stops the sales chart. This time it's Dolly Parton and a Holly Dolly Christmas, just the best album title you're going to hear this year. She's followed by Luke Combs and our friend Morgan Wallen at numbers two and three, respectively. Absolutely no change on the streaming chart as Jason Aldean continues to rule with Got What I Got. He's followed by Gabby Barrett's I Hope and Lee Bryce with One of Them Girls. A new Eric Church song leads digital song sales. Hell of a View debuts at number one, followed by One of Them Girls and I Hope. Most added is my boy, literally, LV Shane and a song called My Boy, which I picked during Pick a Hit in last week's episode. That's the most added at Country Radio this week. Top airplay song for a third week in a row is Lee Bryce and One of Them Girls, and the number one song on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart, which is all of these sort of smooshed together. Congrats again, Gabby Barrett and her song, I Hope. Big thanks to my guest this week, Trisha Dupre, who's on Twitter at at Chai Rider, C-H-I-W-R-I-T-E-R. It's because she lives in Chicago. You can find links to her Morgan Wallen articles from American Songwriter, Taste of Country, People, and More. It's all at the show notes page at countrymediapodcast.com. If you missed episodes focused on Luke Combs, Taylor Swift, and Kane Brown, check out the archives, and please let me know what you liked and what you didn't like on Twitter at Billy Dukes or at BillyDukes at gmail.com. Big thanks to Billboard for the charts, to my friends at Taste of Country for putting up with my dad jokes, thanks to everyone listening in the Northeast for finding me and sharing. I don't get it, but I seem to be really huge in Lake Stevens, Washington. And thanks to all my followers on Twitter for the conversation. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review, and repeat it all next week for episode number six of the Country Music Media Podcast.